You're stupid suicide. You're stupid suicide. You'll never live. You'll never die. You're stupid suicide. Welcome back to the Better Off Dead Minute podcast. The podcast that brings you over and helps you mellow off as we analyze the Savage Steve Holland classic Better Off Dead one minute at a time. I'm Jason Hummel from Mondo Confidential. And I am Curtis Blaze from thesacknews.com. Today we're sifting through Minute 42, which begins with Dad asking Lane to stop and talk to him for a minute, and ends with Dad really putting the pressure on Lane to date his law partner's daughter, Joanne Greenwald. What's the flam jam on this flim flam, Jason? Well, Curtis, in the last minute, Lane's depression deepened as yet another person asked for his permission to date Beth. As the minute begins, Dad asks Lane to sit with him for a second. At 41 minutes and 10 seconds, Lane begins to apologize, but Dad cuts him off and lays down the law in regards to dating, i.e. it will be happening again. At 41 minutes and 30 seconds, Dad informs Lane that Lane will accompany Joan Greenwald, his law partner's daughter, to the New Year's Eve dance. At 41 minutes and 47 seconds, we learn that today is the day before the New Year's Eve dance. As the minute ends, Dad informs Lane that Lane is really bringing him over. Point. (laughs) Is it Joanne or is it Joan? Joanne. It's Joanne. Okay. I wasn't sure. I thought I heard him say Joanne, but it seemed like you were thinking Joan. So I left some gray area in the writing of of the name. (laughs) It is New Year's Eve day. Yes. Dad and his law partner have arranged for this date and are just now informing both Lane and Joanne on the day of Mere hours before. Because the mail showed up, it's clearly the afternoon. Yeah. So the afternoon before the dance, they're informed they're going. With each other. (laughs) With the big antenna on the face. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I don't know where to work that in. I'm probably just going to say with the big antenna on her face randomly throughout the episode. Yeah. It's... You can't see it, but he's making the gesture that Lane makes when he he says, the big antenna on her face. (laughs) That's some good pod you're doing right there. Yeah. (laughs) What year did Nancy Reagan tell us to just say no to drugs? I want to say 84. What year did we learn that a fried egg is your brain on drugs? Was that the 90s? That was the 90s, yeah. So it was more extreme. So just say no to drugs. Like, hey, you want some drugs? Hold on. Let's do a reenactment. Jason, I've got some drugs. Would you like to have some? No. Now you're not a junkie. It's just that simple. Nancy was right. (laughs) Youth and the drug explosion. Explosion. Like, I guess he left the spoon cooking too long. (laughs) No, that would just dry it up, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, this is a meth thing. Yeah, he used too much anhydrous. (laughs) And he exploded. You were doing some shake and bake meth, and you were shaking for too long. (laughs) You timed it wrong. Boom. Lost a hand. Youth and the drug explosion. Explosion. I don't know what's funnier. Drug explosion or youth? Yeah. Yeah. You got to think it was probably written mid to late 60s, this book. Maybe. Maybe 70s by somebody that was ill-informed. Oh, wait. Okay. So if it's the 60s or even the 70s, when dad says, you're really bringing me over, is that merely anachronistic? Because I thought it was a misunderstanding of, like, you're really bringing me down. Yeah. It's an anachronist. <laughs> <laughs> crown, man. Triple I just, crown. I just you, killed the you, mic. First you exploded peas into the mic, <laughs> and then you licked it, 
and then I did not. Gra- and then you grabbed the mic, and then you smacked it with your head. I did not lick the mic. <laughs> That's good. You're you're like you're escalating as we each episode. You're escalating more and more. <laughs> it started off with just yeah, it's and me. now it's, it's Jason and the microphone explosion. Going mano a mano with the mic. Okay, you were about to say <laughs> before you lost your battle with the microphone. Um, yeah, anachronistic and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 kind of like he learned his whoever wrote this uh, learned their drug slang from Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Beyond the Valley, oh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is the the Re- sequel. Yeah, the Valley of the Dolls is the original. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is the sequel. Yeah, the one I haven't seen yet. Yeah, the one you should because it's hilarious. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not able to see this, but we've just experienced a horrible loss in the studio. My. My northern natural gas pen, tri-sided for writing comfort, has just lost its pocket holder. Damn. <laughs> I don't know what I thought was going to happen. Another victim of the drug explosion. <laughs> I blame the drug explosion for everything. <laughs> so we determined that Lane attempted to commit suicide by asphyxiation on carbon monoxide in his garage on Christmas Day. Yeah. He gets a bunch of frozen dinners for Christmas, and then he calls Beth. Wait, is that the order it went in? He calls Beth. Yeah. He finds out that his little bear is not big enough for her. (laughs) His his bear is inadequately sized. And so he decides to end it all. And then he crashes through the door accidentally when his arm comes down as he's finally, as he's passing out for the last time, and, uh, and boom. He booms the gasser through the garage door in front of mom and dad. Yeah. And now it's New Year's Eve day. It has been a solid seven days. Am I doing the math right on that? Yeah. Christmas day to New Year's Eve day? It's yeah. been six days. Six days, yeah. Six days. So just now dad is starting to talk to him about the garage. In fact, nothing has been said at all because what happens is dad says, Lane, I want to talk to you for a second. And Lane opens with, yeah, I want to apologize for the garage door, dad. And he's like, no, no, no. You know, he wants to talk to him about something else. So they have yet to talk about him crashing through the garage door. Now, when he came through the garage door, obviously, Dad would have went into the garage and discovered all the uh, the garage full of exhaust. You would think. Right? And he's not crashing through the garage accidentally. Or is that what he thinks? Is that why he thinks Lane is on drugs? Yeah. Like he got high, started the car... Couldn't figure out how to get out of the garage, so he just decided to go for it? Yeah, that... He doesn't realize his son is trying to commit suicide. He just thinks he's high. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's um, what he thinks, because otherwise you'd think he would get him into, like, like prevention counseling or, or something like that. But no, he's like, no, my son's on the dope. Well, why isn't, he, why isn't he getting him into counseling anyway if he's trying to commit suicide? Dope or suicide. Yeah. Drugs or suicide. It's been six days now, and they haven't even discussed it. This is the opening gamut of the discussion. Yeah. I'm running my kid down and beating him up if he, if he crashes through my garage door. Ah, probably not, because, I mean, he's nine. There would be bigger <laughs> issues there. I'd first want to know how like, he got the car keys. How he'd reach the pedals. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, Lane didn't back out of the garage and crash into the Smith's house. No. 
we we see we see that the Smith's house is undamaged from exterior shots and from other scenes that we got in. There's there's no one dealing with that. There's no later at the dance, Mrs. Smith yelling at Lane, and you're gonna pay for that front door too. Yeah, it's like And we have the evidence that we heard the squealing tires where he clearly drove away, I guess in reverse. Yeah. Yeah, we don't see where he goes, but we the, the gist that we get is that yeah, he went down the street in reverse. So what so what mom and dad experience is suddenly Lane in dad's car bursts through the garage door trashing it completely. Hundreds of dollars. If it was today it'd be thousands of dollars worth of damage. And then drives away and they don't say anything about it for six full days. They don't even talk about it. Lane comes and goes, he goes to school and back. Is Lane in just such a dark, dark place that he just hasn't showed his face? Well, I think this is like the depth, like the deepest part of his depression. Yeah. Because, you know, you'd think if you trash the garage door, you'd be pretty afraid of what's going to happen. And you're not. I mean, he just, he clearly just answers the door. The doorbell rings and he answers the door seconds earlier. Yeah. With no fear of running into dad. And when dad does corner him, all he says is, hey, I'm sorry about the garage door. Yeah. So, so what's going on here with the, with the relationship? Is dad just the most forgiving dad ever? Or is he just, does he just not care? Well, I think obviously he cares because he's, you know, he's got the book and he's trying to save Lane from drugs. Mom nowhere to be seen, by the way. Anyway. Right, well. right, yeah. Usually you'd think in an intervention both parents would be involved. Yes, and in intervention, you would also plan it. Yeah. You and mom would show up in, in Lane's room with the book so that, he, you know, with your thumb in the right place so that you would be able to say, you know, what's going over, man? <laughs> you know, at all the right times yeah. so that he would know you truly are part of his cool youth drug culture. Wait, how's that work? Yeah, well, the, I don't even want to go down that road. <laughs> that you're a hip, you're a hip daddy. So his dad, so dad's just sitting in the dining room. Okay, so this is what I imagine. Lane has been hiding in his room for six days. <laughs> this is the scene that's missing here. Lane has been hiding in his room for six days, and dad has been tiptoeing around on eggshells, not wanting to, like, make him mad or, or make things worse. And then he hears Lane coming down the stairs and going to the door. And so he quick rushes into the dining room so he can casually catch him. As he's going by on the way to the kitchen. I kind of get the feeling that he was probably in the dining room for like an hour or so reading the book. Okay, you think he was just reviewing the book and Lane happened to walk by. Yeah. That would explain why mom's not there, why this isn't planned. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess that works for me. And also why he's so not practiced. Because he's a trial lawyer. Well, we don't know that he's a trial lawyer, but he's a lawyer. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, they never. I don't think they ever say what kind of law he practices. But he would at some point have to have taken the class where he understands how important it is to not have to reference stuff as he's talking. Yeah. Where he could make it look like it's off the cuff so that he could, like, you know, develop that relationship with jurors. Right. And so he's clearly just, like, learning this slang seconds before Lane walks by. Carbon monoxide poisoning is a pretty serious poisoning. You don't just recover from that. I mean, I guess you can just get some fresh air, but you get pretty sick. Yeah. Lane didn't spend any time in the hospital. He didn't talk to mom and dad about it. Nothing happened. Just six days went by. Yeah. It's like there was a little, little baby bubble of denial happening. A little baby bubble of denial. 
I can't imagine going six days without interacting with my, with my son. Yeah. Especially if he just crashed through the garage door. And all joking aside, I'm not talking about the nine-year-old. I'm talking about like the 27-year-old now. <laughs> you know, or, or any age, really. Yeah. There, I, what I'm saying is there would have been a need to revive him if he was passed out from carbon monoxide. Because all that gas would be trapped in the car with him. Right. And the car windows were closed. Yeah. No matter how much he crashed out of the garage, he would still be carrying that gas with him, and he'd still be in the same trouble. Yeah. Hmm. Movie inconsistencies. Why? Why, movie? Why do you do this to my brain? And you'd think he would have crashed the car, too. You know? That it would have, like, hit, like, a cul-de-sac or jumped the curb or something. Or something. So it's six days later. Dad's thought process is, my kid is on drugs. He clearly thinks his kid is on drugs. Lane didn't just say no, like Nancy told him to. So he's like, I should get him a date. (laughs) I like the logic in that. (laughs) This kid just needs a date. That's all. (laughs) This is a pretty dark time for everyone right now. Yeah, most definitely. Imagine being so unable to talk to your kids that six days goes by after an event like that. I mean, that would be excruciating. I can see in the minute... Where you would think, what is he on drugs? I can see in the minute where you'd be like, was that an accident? But six days without talking and really thinking about it and thinking about all that exhaust in there, he would have to know that he was trying to commit suicide unless he just wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And I can see where that would go along with being on drugs. Oh, he tried to commit suicide. Maybe he's on drugs. And so this is just like he's doing anything to reach out right now. You know, really, this is kind of sad. There's also a missing scene here where dad is at a bookstore somewhere. And he's just frantic. He's trying to figure out what the hell he's supposed to do. He has no idea what to do. And he sees this youth culture and the drug explosion. Youth and the drug explosion. What's the name of the book? Yeah. Youth and the drug explosion. And he's paging through it and he goes, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the answer. And this is what he decides on. Unless, Unless he had the book already. Unless he's done some counseling. You know, maybe. When he was younger. Or maybe he had the book from an earlier case yeah, where he had to try and like figure out why this kid he was representing is so screwed up or why the kid he's trying to prosecute is all screwed up. He's not a prosecutor. He's a defense. If he's, if he's a criminal at all, he's a defense. Yeah. Okay. So why this kid he's defending is so screwed up, which would explain the anachronistic nature of the book being so out of time, which I guess I just said that the same... Two different ways. Same thing, two different ways. Well, this has certainly taken a dark and sad turn. This episode is not nice. <laughs> this, yeah. this, this minute really is further evidence that it's perfectly plausible for uh, Mr. Kuzak to think he was making a different movie. Yeah. A, a much darker movie. Yeah. I mean, even though there's comedic, you know, beats. You know, the girl, the one with the antenna on her head. Yeah. And the, the little point. Right. But he still, that still played pretty realistically. That's just him accepting it. He's like, okay, my dad's completely out of touch. Got you, dad. He's not going to argue with him and say, oh, you're so stupid. You don't even know how to say what's going down or whatever it is he was attempting to say. What were the things he said in that? (laughs) (laughs) Mellow off. Mellow off. Oh, my God. You're really bringing me over. (laughs) I remember the other morning I was mellowing off. Yeah, he's he's kind of he's he's more defiant 
in this scene, though, then in other you're, you're saying Lane is more defiant. Lane is more defiant, yeah. How where, so? Where, well, when he says, you, you are going to date other people, he goes, oh. Right. In a really kind of, like, incredulous tone, like, really? That really is the most teenager that Lane is. Yeah. If you discount all the dramatic darkness and the, like, the suicide attempts that aren't real. I'm saying it. <laughs> That's the most belligerently teenage that he gets in the movie. The rest of the time, he's a 20-year-old who's just pretending to be a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this, 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 it really is, you know, between the O and the disco. Come on, Dad. So it makes you wonder if, like, you know, he had to be there for the free-for-all that was the cafeteria scene of everybody just riffing all day long and just making all the jokes they could think of. But, yeah, this, this scene, to me, there's, I think there's an edit that could be made of this movie that would make this a very dark movie. That would make the movie that I think John was envisioning when they were filming it. And this scene might be one of the keys. The Cusack cut. <laughs> the Cusack cut. Nice. The last note I have for this minute is, uh, seems stupid now in light of the conversation. But are the key lights visible again in the tea set? <laughs> <laughs> I say yes. I don't think windows are shaped like that. Although they do a good job of making it look like it's a window reflection. It, it, yeah, it does look like it could be like key lights. Um, it almost looks like you're, you're seeing... Shadows of people, too, but that could just mean like standing around behind, yeah, not weird i mean it's i mean it's not super clear, like in duel where you can actually see Spielberg reflected in uh the phone booth or the camera on the doorknob of the matrix, yeah, right, but there's people back there, right, there's people in lights back there, yeah, you can see the behind the scenes on the I love it when things like that happen. That's all I got, Jason. you got anything else to talk about with this minute? Mm, nope. Better off dead minute. That was minute 42. We did nothing special for it. It's fine of the fact that we are Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy nerds. I didn't even say 42. Well, I guess I did. Wait, what is the answer to the meaning of... Uh, whatever. <laughs> Voicemail, 712-830-7373. Five-star review at iTunes. Email at bodminute at gmail.com. Twitter at bodminute. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all, folks. Join us tomorrow for Minute 43. Until then, I'm going to remain Curtis. And I am, as always, Jason. Good night.